0: welcome back to the interlude podcast. You are listening to episode 112, a conversation with Ria Desby. I am really excited to bring you this conversation. One of the things that I am very passionate about talking about is survivorship and life after cancer and how that often is sometimes harder than active treatment. Rhea today joins me on the podcast to talk about all of these topics. She is a stage one breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in 2018. She underwent chemotherapy. She underwent mastectomy, initially with an implant that later got infected and had to be removed. And ultimately, she chose not to have the implant replaced. Talks about what life has been like with And unilateral mastectomy without reconstruction. She's also on endocrine therapy and shares her experiences with the medications. Rhea talks about how cancer has impacted her body image, her mental health, and how she manages all of that, how she puts herself, how she has learned to put herself first, how she deals with the fear of recurrence, how she has learned to love her body at every stage that she is in and so much more this conversation is real but it's also positive and it's inspiring and i think a must listen for anyone who is trying to navigate who they are becoming after a cancer diagnosis with that it is my honor to welcome Rhea despie to the interlude podcast I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. Rhea, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about who you are, your diagnosis, your cancer story?
1: My name is Rhea. I am currently living in Seattle, Washington. I was diagnosed with Clinically diagnosed with stage one breast cancer back in November of 2018. Um, to sum it up, I um, I went through just what you would think of your routine mammogram. Um, didn't think anything much of it. Comes to be that I get a call pretty much the very next day, and it just what I was like didn't quite understand. So going on. Um, there were more tests done, a biopsy was then taken, um, got different answers, like one radi- radiologist said, oh, this is stage zero. I'm just like, what? Okay. And, you know, not until, of course, you won't know until that test comes back. So I, um, I went through chemotherapy, TCHP. Um, After that, I had, you know, my surgery, single mastectomy with direct implants. Unfortunately, it got infected, so it had to come out. But also during that time, I got the pathology pathology report and it came back, um, complete response, which I was so happy for. Um, And I asked my oncologist, I was like, so when... Am I in remission? I mean, that's kind of, I think that's what all cancer survivors want to know. And he's like, honestly, you are right now. So I made that my cancerversary date. I know everyone is different, but that's the date that I choose to when my oncologist said, hey, yeah, this is your date. So moving on, I saw my surgeon. He would basically, well, since, you know, do you want to go ahead and try for another implant? And I'm like, let's wait. Um, I don't know if I want to do this right now. Then comes COVID. And with COVID, you know, everything is limited. And I can't, for me, I just, I didn't want to go in there with myself. I need a second pair of ears. So to me, I felt like this was a sign for me to actually let my body rest and me to really think of, do I want this? Or... Do I want to wait or am I okay being unilateral? So, at the end, pretty much a year later, I decided, you know what? I've been living like this for about a year and a half. I think I'm okay. And that's just a very personal choice for me um, of just being unilateral and accepting my scars. And I know it's not easy for everyone. I still have days where I'm just like, okay you know, this is, this is who I am. This is me. And ever since that day, after I finished treatment, I decided to join in and sign up for Instagram for my cancer, just my journey. And that's pretty much how it all started.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I do have a question and listening to it. Do you think that if COVID hadn't happened, that you were on this path for, you know, implant and reconstruction, that it would have just been, okay, this is what I do next. And I'm going to go ahead and do it.
1: Honestly, I think so. I think because as far as me personally, going through active treatment, you want to get things at a timely manner, you don't want to get delayed, you want to have your chemotherapy, you want to beat this, you kind of, for me, I wanted to just beat this in order to go back into my normal life. But I didn't know that, you know, going through as a cancer patient that there is no more old Rhea or normal life. So if COVID didn't happen, I'll be honest, I probably would have tried again for the implant. If not, if that didn't work, I probably go for the flat. But I think in some sort of way, like I was saying earlier, maybe it was that time that I really need to think and let my body rest and listen to my body and not necessarily try to move on. Okay, let's do this. Let's do that. And that's just how I was. When it's the chemo, I was like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And even when my, for example, when I was going through, I believe it was my third or fourth round of chemo, and my, web, my white blood cells were low. They're like, we can't. And I'm just like, no, I want to get it done. And, and I'm like, are you sure? And it's like, no, we can't do it. And I understand, but there's that part of me that wants to get this thing moving so I can get back to my old life.
0: And after finishing treatment, you're right. I mean, everyone wants say, okay, how quickly can I be done with this? Right. So I can get back to normal. And you, and you then quickly find out, well, there is no kind of getting back to normal. There's a whole new person that you've become. And so can you talk about what that transition was like for you and how you started to handle that?
1: Um, I will tell you the very first year was really hard. I mean, it's, I felt that once I was done, where, where do I go? What do I do? I mean, even going, signing up into the cancer community, you're new, you know, and you're just watching people and you're listening to, you know, podcasts or reading stories, but it was just, it was really hard. And I think everything built up as far as emotions after active treatment was done. So, I feel like in active treatment, I was this warrior. I was warrior to fight, do what I have to do to do it. Then when active treatment is done, you're just like, okay, then what? And trying to put myself back into who I was before, it, it was impossible because reality is, is we all know that cancer is life altering. It changes you no matter whether you're ready or whether you're not, it just, it changes you as a person. And during that first year, I remember reaching out. I was Googling and looking for support somewhere. And I I found I like cancer support and I found surviving And I was able to speak to Laura, which is the founder. And till this day, I am so like grateful for that phone call. It was a one-hour phone call. I pretty much told her, I just finished my mastectomy, um, done with treatment. I don't know what to do. And her being a survivor and her sharing her story with me and everything, pretty much what I need to hear, and just some sort of hope came from her. And like, I'm so thankful for that. And that's just kind of that built my headspace as like, okay. If Laura can do this, if Laura can survive this, I can too. I, and, you know, I was offered also support um, groups at my hospital, but I wasn't ready for that. Um, so little by little, pretty much the first year was just being okay with who I have become. There were a lot of emotions, um, mental breakdowns of when I look into the mirror, it's a person I I don't recognize there's a missing breast there. I never really, you know, thought of anything of it. Or at that time, I was like, okay, rip the bandit off. Okay, this is it. But when you're actually there and you're looking at yourself, you are different. And I, it was, it's just really hard. And at that time, my daughter was four and she, she would ask me, mommy, what happened to your breast? And I had to explain to her, why it's gone. So the first year was pretty much just trying to cope and just trying to accept what just has happened. Because I think that's when, for me, has the processing pretty much begins and the healing starts.
0: I think one of the things that's really important in what you just said is that it took time that it took that year to really sit with it. I I think that with cancer, with a cancer diagnosis, and you know this, you know, in the beginning, it's go, 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 okay, I need, I got my mammogram, I need a biopsy, I need an MRI, you know, everything happens like super quickly. So you just kind of go along that path, but when you're done, that's the time to slow down and really think back at what did I just go through, right? So that we can reconcile what's gonna come after. Right? How did you, you know, handle, you talked a little bit about this, but the change in, you know, body image, right? And being a mom and, and you know, how did all that kind of evolve?
1: Um, it took some time. I mean, I will tell you that before cancer, during cancer, and even till now, exercise has been my go-to. So even those days that I struggled in active treatment, I was still there on the treadmill. No matter how slow I was, i was there. So like for me, as handling my body image, it was hard. Um, I go to the gym. I at that time I used to use a knitted knocker, and I would put it in like that sports bra. And I tell the story because it's it's pretty funny. And I would I would be there, and I'm here on the treadmill, and one of my gym buddies. You know he's next to me, and I'm just here zoomed in listening to my music. And he taps me on the shoulder, and he's just like, "What is that?" And then the new is literally popping out. I was like, oh, "Oh, hold on, hold on." And then she's like, "He's like, what is that?" And I was like, "I told you, I went through breast cancer." He's like, "What is that?" And it's funny because it's like it's a reminder of there, there's that part of me that's missing that I try to fill in the void by putting that knee knocker, right? I mean, there, we have the breast prosthesis, um, the knee knocker, just to make yourself symmetry. It's, it it took time, really, honestly, just to heal and to accept my body, going through um, the medications that, what is it called? Steroids, and all those stuff that make you gain weight, being like, being like a forced kind of menopause and the hormone blockers that I'm on. It's really hard for my body because the joint pains, I, it's hard for me. I think I, at one point to really accept that I can't, for example, lift as heavy as I used to, because it's just like my joints. It's, and I feel like when I do do like weightlifting, it takes my body much longer to heal from, you know, as far as like recover, I mean, as recovering as you know, okay, usually it takes me a couple of days for my body not to be sore. Now it's like, twice as long. And I remember bringing that up to my oncologist. And he's like, you have to remember that you're starting all over again. You know, you have to start in the beginning and work your way back up. Because I thought mentally, okay, I'm back to old me again, I can do this the way that I used to do this. But unfortunately, my body's telling me, no, you can't. So dealing with that, with just even the exercise portion of it was hard. It was also hard for me, me to start seeing myself gain weight. And honestly, even right now, I'm having a hard time where my body is, I'm not comfortable in the weight that I am because of just like the weight gain, it's hard to lose weight, being on hormone blockers, being menopause, it's just hard overall. So that's another thing that I struggle with in just that, but I'm learning to love my body at every stage that it's in. And I think that's important. um, Just because I mean, what I see is I've gone through so much already. You know, my body has gone through so much. I mean, it's easily we can just look in the mirror, it's like, oh, I don't like how I look this day. But it, I've also learned that you can turn that around, and be like, it's okay. You know, you are doing the best that you can do. Um, so it's just pretty much just accepting being okay. Um, slowly but surely, I started to feel like it's okay to, if I don't feel like, I don't know, wearing a breast prosthesis around the house. I don't have to. I mean, it's it's just that mental because in the very beginning, I wasn't sure how to live my life as far as body image. You know, what if one day, you know, I'm outside and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go outside and I don't go with no, you know, breast form on one side. And here goes my neighbor. Hey, Rhea, how you doing? Oh hold on. And you're just like covering yourself. But it's just I think it's pretty much you have to have that acceptance if you decide to be, you know, flat on one end. I mean, I always still have a choice till this day that I can go back and get reconstructive surgery. But as as I just celebrated my three-year cancerversary I'm so how do you, you say this? I am at peace of my decision of being unilateral and just being who I am. I, I'm, I'm to this point where it, I think I'm still healing in that point because I, everyone has good and bad days, but I'm not as insecure with just being unilateral. It, it is what it is, you know?
0: I think that's really, really helpful information. One of the things that I get a lot of questions about is exercise and modifying after surgery and then kind of later on while you're on endocrine therapy in menopause. So what, can you share some kind of practical tips about all of a sudden, you know, you can't lift as heavy as you used to, maybe you're not running as fast as you were. What has helped you get back what kind of steps did you take to start, you know, maybe picking up some of those heavier weights again?
1: Um, what I've learned to do is I make sure to stretch in the morning, right? When I first wake up, I take one of those. Um, I think it's those exercise rollers, the one with mm-hmm. the detailed indentations. And I make sure that I, you know, roll my legs on there, my body stretch, and it really does help with my joint pains. Um, And just like when I get to the gym, I would pretty much take that extra time to really, you know, stretch anything I could do to loosen up those joints. Because I noticed that if I don't do that, I pay for it, you know, as far as like after the workout the next day. But if if I go ahead and make sure I stretch when I first wake up and I stretch, you know, during the exercise and after I know it's a task I know it's an extra thing that we probably don't want to do you want to get into the gym get there get your workout and go but if you take those not those really just small steps I mean two minutes two to five minutes before you work out and two to five minutes after it does make a difference of how your body is because you really want to loosen up those kind of stiff kind of muscles or joints, you just have to, because if not, it's for me, I pay for it the next day.
0: Do you find that your joint pain and your ability to exercise is impacted by other things? So sleep or stress or diet, nutrition, any of those factors?
1: Um, The stress, there is just stress in, in life. And I've also learned to try to deal with that. And for me, it's finding ways to relieve the stress. Yes, exercise is part of my stress reliever, but also I journal. That's just a way for me to maybe put my thoughts in. Um, and then I also have a therapist. I found a therapist that you know, that really works with me, um, all of that. And then as far as sleep, it's on and off. Sometimes I feel like my head is thinking with all these ideas or whatever that's going through my mind at the end of the night. So sometimes I would take CBD drops to just help me relax. And I try to take that probably an hour or two before I go to bed to just kind of relax my body. But as far as that, I mean, it's, I think we all just kind of learn how to process things or what our body is saying. And it's really important to listen to what it's saying in case of just like, hey, I need you to rest because before... I used to go, go, go. And I'm like, then I'm to the point, I was like, okay, my body's telling me it's time to rest today. It's time to rest. So it's, you're just learning. It's, I guess what you could say is just like life after cancer is more of, it's a different, it's a different you. But you also have to learn the different you also has limitations, you know, that it can't necessarily do what it used to be because your body just went through chemotherapy, it just went through a surgery, your body is still trying to recover from everything. And also, you know, depending on what medication so I take hormone blockers, I like, I will tell you, Eleanor, I had a little bit of time of what I call freedom, because I had to be off of hormone blockers for a little bit. And I felt the best because I'm like oh my god I go I don't feel any joint pains and I'm like my my energy is up and my mood is so good I was like hallelujah look at this and then my oncologist like okay we're gonna put you back I was like you just took away my freedom and then he was just laughing but that's what it is and I was like I got that taste of freedom but I I I know that I have a question about that because
0: So we, you know, I will tell people to take a break for a few weeks if they have really bad side effects. And sometimes that just lets Mm -hmm. your body reset and you're able to go back on it. But a lot of people then say at that end of that three to four weeks, I don't, I don't want to go back on because I've tasted that. I love not waking up, feeling stiff and, you know, or having debilitating hot flashes. How did you kind of push yourself, not push yourself, but like, how did you go back on knowing that you were going to walk into all these side effects again?
1: Well, I mean, there is that option of you, you know, it's your decision at the end, right? You can either take your doctor's advice, or you can try to just go and do a separate way to where, you know, you hear about like, what is it? Um, a different kind of, is it holistic approach, etc. Um, But for me, I, I just had to really just really think about it. And I really, for me, had to pray about it, sleep on it without any one's opinion. So any noise, you know, when you tell people, they're like, okay, you should do this, or I did this, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, not telling anyone <laughs> because that's the best advice I could give anyone out there is don't tell anyone, you know, if it's not your significant other or anything, anyone that is close to you that you know that won't give you judgment or advice, don't tell anyone. You want to make sure you want to make this decision on your own. So, for me, at the end of the day, I knew. I still had two more years to go. And I know I'm gonna miss that freedom, but it's not that far. So my thing is, is I'm gonna take what I need to take that my doctor says. My doctor, my my cancer team has been there since day one. They know what's best for me. Though I can make a decision, they say uh, it's up to you or you can go back. I'm gonna take the last two years from what I know, and take that hormone. Yes, there are side effects, but it's not unbearable. It's bearable. There's things you can do. There's things you can take. You know, Um, I also noticed that if I take this collagen, I believe it's like this, it comes in a blue container. Um, and I put it in with, let's say my pre-workout or coffee, it does help with my joint pain. So it's not unbearable, the pain and the side effects is uncomfortable. Yes. But I still want to be here. My kids are still young. I want to be here with my husband. You know, life is not guaranteed. I get it. You know, everyone, everyone's opinion is different. Some, some, of course, want to, it's, I pick quality over, you know, going through this. But for me, just like, me deciding if I want to be flat on that one end, this is also my decision. And my decision is to continue.
0: Hey, what you said is really the key is, you know, it's different for everybody. And knowing what you can and can't do and what your options are and the risks and benefits of each of those options, that's the true empowerment, right? Because, mm-hmm if I have patients who will end up stopping the medication, and as long as they, I am comfortable that we are all on the same page about what could happen, and they make a decision that I'm fully in support of that. You know, where I get personally nervous is if people um, sometimes aren't, not so much understanding, but not, it's hard sometimes to grasp the consequences of what a cancer recurrence could be. And so I think really having those open and honest conversations Now, you mentioned not listening to people's opinions and and really making those decisions by yourself, which I think is huge. But you do have a public Instagram page. I do. Tell me, you know, when you started and you started sharing and posting, what has that been like and kind of opening up in a more public
1: space? In the very beginning was really hard. Um, how do I say that my very first vulnerable post was really hard for me to post because it's literally, luring people can click on my page and read it. And I would have many thoughts of, should I remove this? Should I remove it? Maybe I shouldn't put it. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave this on here because when I first started my Instagram or my cancer Instagram, the whole purpose was it to share my story, to share my journey and hoping that to let other women, other cancer survivors know that they're not alone. What you're feeling, I'm feeling as well. So after a while, you know, you get a little bit comfortable, but also those comments really do make a difference as far as whether they say like, for example, on a post to say, thank you for posting this. I needed to hear this. Or thank you for sharing. I feel like I'm reading my own journal. Um, or just little bits and pieces of, you know, thank you for always sharing your positivity. Um, it's just pretty much as I opened up more and I started to meet other survivors, drivers, warriors. It's just, you start to really feel like you're not alone and you're able to connect. They have what you always hear in the cancer community. You meet complete strangers that become your biggest cheerleaders that are there to support you, which I am thankful for. And I'm sure everyone is in the cancer community to have that outlet. Um, This, Just even social media, having that outlet of being able to tell your story or to find someone who's just like you. Is so, so important. Um, But as far as me, I don't really share my vulnerability until after it has happened. And that's how I keep myself, you know, kind of just that boundary of what is happening in the present. And I, of course, like people are worried and they wanna support you and be there, if they can but just like making decisions I really don't want the noise around or other people's opinion because it can affect at the end of the day what I decide so for me it's it's really important to just really be still and kind of just figure out what's best for you and then when that that situation is over and done with that's literally the time that I share my vulnerability.
0: Do you ever find that, like, being enmeshed in the community is a lot? You know, um, if someone passes away, or you're con- you know, you're being contacted by you know women who are newly diagnosed, and you know, does it feel ever heavy or to the point where you have to
1: pull back? I do. I really do, and I think the the longer well let's see I've been in the cancer community about three years pretty much and you know you get to start to know you know survivors you you have friendships and then you know the people that you know have reoccurrence or they pass away it's really hard to take in um sometimes um we're all human it's like you can you can take you can read all this stuff, you hear all this stuff, these news of reoccurrence or you know so much time to live or death, and it just it brings your mental headspace sometimes not in a good place. But I also know like with talk cheap Kelly, she points out, you know their story is not your story, which is it's great, but also too it's it's hard not to care, you know, um. And so I've noticed for me especially this year one thing that I've learned about myself this year is that I have to think about myself that I need if I need to take away and take a break from Instagram I'm going to take a break um cuz like what what I had trouble working or doing is I'm always trying to help people. I'm trying to be there for people. But then, you know, you can't, you can't really help people if you feel like your battery is drained. How can you help them? So when my mindset is just not there or just life is just busy, because I mean, we get it, it's social media. You don't, you know, you're not you come in here when you want to, but you outside it outside of it. There's also your life, so I mean, as for as far as me is, you know, I have two small kids. One of them have to, have, one of them has autism, so that's also full time job itself. I have to advocate for him, you know, therapies. You know, um, then we have a family business, and I, I do things for Amona, and it's just, you know. It's just a lot in real life and then social media wise. So yes, I do take breaks and I, I think it's, it's healthy. You have to, you have to take mental breaks, especially with the cancer community. It can be really heavy, like you said, with reoccurrence and death. And you just, well, you have to know when it's time to take a step back and then, you know, you take a step back and you come back when you're ready, because it's, I believe it's going to always be there.
0: And a lot of people, I think, are afraid to put themselves first, right? So hearing you talk about the importance of doing it, and the fact that you are doing it, is really important. I had a conversation with someone recently about, you know, she's young, and all these people were getting diagnosed in her area and coming to her. And she felt like she couldn't be that person for everybody because it was triggering. And I think it's hard, right? Because you want to be helpful. Like you said, you want to be able to share your experience. Um, but at the same time, if you don't put yourself first, if you don't fill your cup first, how can you be there for other people? Right. Now, how do you deal with that fear of recurrence? Whether, whether it be seeing somebody get a recurrence whether it be having a symptom whether it just be kind of a thought that creeps up into your mind
1: from time to time or more often than that even um well I will tell you just like the journey itself it takes time to find something some way in order for yourself to help those thoughts um Coming out of active treatment, I really didn't think I would have to deal with what I'm dealing right now because I, I feel that, yes, we go through what we have gone through physically, but I think what cancer has taken or has cost me is my mental health.
0: What are things that you say to yourself or how do you cope with any feelings that may arise?
1: Okay, so the way I cope with it that I've learned that works for me, is that I pray. And what I told myself, probably last year, is that I can't go on pretty much living my life, being scared that cancer will come back. Because the first year, I will tell you, every small pain, I thought it was cancer. So I would fill up my oncologist. Yes, I'm guilty of filling up my oncologist messages with oh my god I feel this is this cancer oh my god I feel this This is cancer but I'm sure like my oncologist and I'm sure you get these messages all the time it's just learning to cope with it but I've come to a point where I've learned ways to cope with that and not to have my mind mentally always focus on it but the big thing of how I got started to really kind of just move That thought is really feeling my feelings, letting myself grieve because I, I feel as a mom, as a wife, or just even myself, we, our emotions come in spurts. And I think for me, I really had to let all the emotions come out. I had to feel what I'm feeling, whether it's grieving, whether it's, um, you know, what I just went through you know, being mad of why this had to happen to me, all of that, I had to really kind of just let it all out and let myself feel it. And then let myself cry. And then at the end, gather myself up and just tell myself, it's okay. It's okay. You went through all of this, but this is not where I want to be because I want to be happy. I want to live life. I don't want to be in a loopy kind of journey where one day I'm happy. And then all of a sudden, in that day, I get a thought in my head to be like, oh, is that little thing I feel? Is that cancer? No, it can't be that way. So I've learned to do of letting myself feel all those feelings, letting it go, and then giving that fear of reoccurrence to God. God, I'm giving you this. I don't want to worry about this. I'm going to trust your plan for me. And ever since that day, ever since that time, I mean, I'll have little spurts. You know, there's kind of what happened to me recently where I had a scare reoccurrence. And in the, I will tell you the first one to two days, I freaked out a little bit. And I kind of went down the rabbit hole. But after that, I picked myself back up. Um, My husband reminded me that worrying doesn't change the outcome. And it really doesn't. But I did know, and I, I will tell you that I'm proud of myself. I didn't even think that I would even be at this point where I was okay. But I made sure I practiced that. I didn't have any noise. Pretty much no one really kind of knew unless, you know, I really, you know, unless you were my husband or anything like that. It was pretty much where I just had to sit and just mentally prepare myself. Whatever happens, happens. I cannot change the outcome. So I really think like being able to find ways of how to cope and just whatever will help you. So going back to that of ways of just recurrence, I have a therapist. She talked to me about it, you know, hey, I, my therapist, I was like, hey, Megan, I'm feeling like this, and we'll break it down. And, and it's crazy, because she helped me with it, where the reoccurrence issue, it doesn't, I guess, cover my mind like it used to. And I make sure I go, okay, what am I feeling? Okay, and I I kind of like remember where they where it's I've been told that if the pain is more than two weeks, then contact me. (laughs) Don't contact me like the day after that day. I'm like, okay. So I mean it's just trusting my doctor. That's another big thing I've learned. Trust your doctor, trust your your cancer team. They know what's best for you. It's great to hear from your friends and other cancer survivors but the one who knows your medical history is your doctor. Everyone's different. Everyone's diagnosis may be called the same, but very different. So for me, it's, that has helped me pretty much with that thought of reoccurrence is really, if at the end of the day, it's giving that reoccurrence to God and just trusting him with my life.
0: That's really, really great advice. And I think that it's something that a lot of people can just, even listening to it makes you, you know, it's a reminder, right? That we are all in control of, like you said, worrying doesn't change the decision, right? But how you handle it is really, really important. This was wonderful. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to share?
1: Um. I do want to share what we call like the gift of cancer. I know as far as cancer, it's, it's a really, you know, it's a trauma. It's something that no one wants to ever have. But I'll be honest, if it wasn't for cancer, I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't have a public Instagram. I wouldn't share vulnerability. I wouldn't be as transparent and real like I am today. Um, if I didn't go through what I went through with cancer and share my story within the cancer community, I wouldn't meet these amazing cancer survivors. Um, I wouldn't connect with organizations like survivingbreastcancer.org or um, Rock Strong or even, you know, working for AMONA. I mean, and then being an ambassador for I Had Cancer. All of these great opportunities, it's, yes, there is that cancer part of going through that, but there is the gift of cancer, the gift of cancer of, it really has molded me to the person that I am now, um, helping people, impacting speaking and doing like these podcasts with you if it wasn't I, I mean I wouldn't want to wish cancer on anyone and honestly if I didn't have a choice I wouldn't want cancer but if I I feel like going back to what we talked about is either you can remain sad and live in that dark spot of your journey or you can move forward and be happy and thrive after cancer. So I think like it's so important just for me to share life after cancer because it's not a straight line. It's just one day you you feel like you're on top of the world and you feel like you can do it and you feel like you're a wonder woman or whatever and then the next day you're like oh, today is a hard day. I'm in my feelings. So I mean I just feel like we share a lot in the cancer community, you know, the really hard times, but there's also space to share. There are the really good times, you know, and also the vulnerability is really nice to to read or to watch or whatnot, because you can find someone who's literally going, you know, do, you know, going through some things just like yourself.
0: I think yeah. that, um, you know, from what I've seen on social media, the Instagram accounts or the other social media platform accounts of cancer survivors or thrivers, people living with cancer mm-hmm. are some of the most real and authentic that exist. You know, I think there's yeah. very little extraneous noise. I mean, it's, they're just raw and vulnerable in a way, in, in, in such a way that I think helps other people heal and process and grieve and celebrate and all of the emotions.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's crazy how it how this whole community works. I mean, but I will say you do have to take your breaks. It's yeah. a lot to take in, especially like, just having to be there and how to just put yourself out there. It's it's really hard because at the end of the day, I think people tend to forget we're human. So yes, we can help you in sharing our story. But at the end of the day, we're also cancer survivors, just like you, trying to work on ourselves mentally. So like, for me, my that space is, I guess what I can say is, you know, putting my content out there has helped me heal. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what I've learned, too, is Sharing my vulnerability has helped me heal the healing process. So it's just that and just everything itself. I try everything in order to find what works for me. And for everyone, it could be something else, but there's nothing wrong with trying because it might work for you. So I mean, pretty much that's about I wanted to share. I'm not sure if there's anything else you wanted to. No, I think this
0: was, um, this was really, really wonderful. Where can people connect with you? Speaking of connections.
1: You can find me at this girls is thriving on Instagram.
0: Perfect. Rhea, thank you so much for joining me.
1: You're welcome. And thank you for having me on here.
0: Thank you all for listening to this conversation with Rhea. I really enjoyed this episode. And I think one of the, things that she said that really kind of stuck out for me was when she said to tell yourself that you are doing the best you can. And I think this is more than just cancer. I think there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves. And I see this all the time with my patients who are struggling after cancer diagnosis and after active treatment to kind of get back to who they think they want to be and to get back to who they were. And it takes time. It takes patience. And just telling yourself that I am doing the best that I can every day is really, really important. And I hope that you tell yourself that today because you are and you deserve to hear it. You can find Rhea if you'd love to connect with her. And I hope you do. And I urge you to follow her at this girl is thriving. I love that Instagram handle. You can find me at Dr. Japlinski on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. If you enjoy the interlude podcast, I am always grateful if you could take a moment to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, as that helps me to grow the show and to bring it to new listeners. Thank you again for listening and I will see you soon.